Blog Talk Radio. Yeah. All right, we're getting ready to go on. <laughs> All right, hello everyone. It is Sunday, June fifth, Capital, and you are now tuned into Popkits Radio Season Two. I am your host, Giovanni Rousseau, the media mogul, here with the latest in pop culture and entertainment. Here, here with me today is writer, philosopher, former con- congressional nominee, and vice chair of the Republican Party of LA County, Ms. John Wood Jr. How are you doing? I'm doing beautiful. Thank you so much for having me. Certainly, um, anytime. And Atlanta area opera singer Russell Thomas. How are you doing, Russell? I'm good. Thanks for having me as well. Certainly. All right, so ready to get started? Yeah, by all means, man. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so this week it seems logic has gone completely out of the window at the latest Trump rally in Santa Ana, California. Riders were outside pelting eggs and throwing glass bottles at Trump supporters and locking them inside the rally venue so they couldn't get out. In the beginning, there were objections to things like things that Trump did at his rallies, but He's pretty much since then cleaned it up, well, a little bit. Um, <laughs> and now Hillary supporters and Bernie supporters are doing the very thing that they were accusing Trump's people of doing um, with the mainstream media now and some conservative journalists saying that the people who were attacked somehow deserved it for supporting Trump. Even Justin Bieber didn't blame anyone for causing him to egg his neighbor's house. Mm-hmm. So, um, John, uh, I'm going to start with you. How, can you help me explain what you think is going on in San Jose? Well, I mean, I, I think that I think that what's happened is uh, Trump's Trump came out Trump came out the gate uh, so so provocatively, and obviously, you know, we saw earlier, like like you said, he's he's sort of toned it down a little bit lately now that he's pivoting into the general. But we saw you know we saw some violence at Trump's uh, some Trump's events earlier on being perpetrated by his supporters, and I think what's happened is. Now that he's coming out to a liberal stronghold like California, you got a lot of, you know, I think a particularly a lot of young Bernie Sanders supporters and whatnot. I think that, I think that that crowd, people in that crowd are saying, hey, you know, uh, Trump has basically given us an excuse to have free reign in terms of acting whatever kind of way we want, because there's this, this, there's this notion and, you know, you can, I started to say hysterical notion. I don't. I don't want to be. I don't want to be condescending. But uh, but there's this there's this notion that Trump is you know this this dictator on the rise, leading an army of virulent, virulent uh, races, and so people think that oh hey you know let's just let's just have it out in the streets. Uh, Trump started it. Now we can finish it, and the result is is that you just <laughs> you've got you've got the perfect uh, you've got the perfect shitstorm. Pardon my pardon my language. Uh, so no problem. Worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's 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 combustible. It's you know it's it's uh, it's uh, fire on top of brush with uh, with some gasoline uh, thrown in uh, thrown in after the fact. You know, and uh, basically, I think that you got young protesters on the left who are trying to up the ante, and uh, the whole thing is. I mean, it's it's a tragedy for the health of democracy. But it's uh, it's a beautiful thing, I think, as far as the media is concerned, because ratings and controversy, all of that sells. And uh, you know, you turn on the TV, you see the clips, the things that happen in San Jose. I mean, people just chasing people down on the streets, 
breaking people's headlights, taillights, uh, damaging property, you know, roughing, roughing folks up, people bleeding. I mean, makes, I hate to say it, it makes for, it makes for, uh, makes for great TV. So, you know, I don't think that the, at the very least, I don't think the media has a problem with it at all. No, no. Um, and, and Russell, what, what do you think about that? What's happening? Well, I, I disagree with one thing uh, that he said, uh, where he said it, it's, it's uh, bad for democracy. I think it's great for democracy because I think people are actually getting involved now in a way uh, we might not agree with the, their their tactics uh, or the violence. I definitely don't agree with the violence, but I, I like the fact that people are actually getting involved and showing that they give a crap, uh, especially <clears throat> these uh, millennials who, as we know, don't really care about <laughs> much uh, uh, but social media and such. But uh, I do have to say that um, – People, there is an uprising, as we were talking about before we sort of before we went live. There is an uprising. I don't think the Republican Party needs needs a revolution. I don't think that the Democratic Party needs a revolution. I just think people need to be involved and know who and what they're voting for. And when you have somebody like uh, Bernie Sanders or someone like a Donald Trump coming out and saying the things that people say privately, I guess would be the easiest way to say it. Uh, it emboldens people. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, I, yeah. and then. Go ahead. No, I was going to counter and say that I I do think that there should be a or that there's a, a need for a revolution. I mean, nationally, just look at Congress. I mean, Democrats and Repo- Republicans have had an extreme. Um, their unfavorable numbers are absolutely horrible. Um, all of the establishment candidates. I mean, Hillary raised a ton of money, and she still can't make standards go away. Um, Jeb Bush, by any our standards during a normal election period, he would have he would have been the nominee. He would have won um, again during a, a normal election year. But uh, yeah, he raised. The but same again, time. what does what does what does establishment mean other than a talking point for the media? That doesn't really mean anything. When do you, when you consider Marco Rubio an establishment candidate, when when he was elected, he was a Tea Party candidate. So. I'm not really quite sure what that well, means. I, I, I think, I, yeah, I think it. I, I think what it what it means is it's it's an impression that people have of a loose affiliation of people who are quote established in in the party in in the traditional party structures, right? So you have the the people, the official party people, you know, the chairman pop, of the party as well. We'll say that again. I said, and you could just define it as like propped up candidates. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, basically you've got the lobbyists, you've got the people who run the party officially. Like, you know, I guess I technically would be would be one of them out here and you know, on a local level. But you know, the Republican National Committee, the Dem- the Democratic National Committee, you have elected office holders who didn't just come in on the Tea Party wave like Rubio did, uh, but people who've been in office for a long time. And uh, you know, there's there's just you know what it is. Uh, in both parties, there's just there's there's in terms of attitude differentiating the establishment from the populist movements and whatnot. I think people in the establishment are people who've been in the system for a while and who sort of are accused of wanting to go along to get along. And that's the negative spin that they have no that they have the, they have no principles and they're just there padding their own pockets. The positive spin would be, you know, these are people who are reasonable, who realize that you have to compromise and, and work with the other side to some degree, this, that, or the other, you know. And I think that on both sides of the of the aisle, uh, you have 
people who, not to sound condescending, but, you know, regular people, ordinary people, uh, who feel as if that system is basically meant for the insiders, but the things that the people in the bases of the party care about are not really being addressed. So if you're a, if you're a very progressive person, uh, you want to see, uh, you know, a much higher uh, minimum wage than we have now. You're not happy with uh, just Obamacare. You want single payer health care. And if you're in the Tea Party, you're not happy with with just bringing the deficit down a little bit. You want to get rid of that twenty trillion dollar debt we have. You're not happy with cutting the growth of spending. You want to dramatically cut into government programs across the board. You want to eliminate the Department of Education. You want to eliminate the EPA. And what's ironic to me about that is that really, if if you look at like the Hillary Clinton establishment, the George and Jeb Bush. Uh, you know, wing of the Republican Party. If you look at the establishments, they've gotten on both sides. They've gotten votes from their bases, from these people on the farther ends of the spectrum, by making promises or commitments, or at least hinting to them that they do these more extreme things that they want them to do. Probably knowing that at the end of the day, they're going to sit down at a table uh, with another person from from the other party and say, okay, we're not really going to give what we told Occupy Wall Street, the Tea Party, that we're going to give. We're going to water it down and do something that we here think is a little bit more palatable. Right. And uh, and so they've created these monsters, if you will, and now they, they've come to the point where they realize that, oh, my God, we can't, we can't control it. We can't control uh, you know, the Democrats are very limited in their ability to control Sanders and their people, and the Republicans can't control Trump and his crowd at all, you know? So, you know, right. it's, there's some there's some political to it, I think. And I have to say that that's, I mean, that's just the, the beauty of it. As far as Russia said, the more people need to get involved. Um, that's what it appears that, that they're doing. As I said, just the, the regular party candidates aren't, aren't making any headway. People are, are speaking. Um, and if I were just to be an outsider or a regular voter and just watching these riots, I think that I would go with the the group that's being attacked, the one where the person's getting hit in the head with a raw egg, because it's like, what did this person do other than voicing their, um, you know, voicing their opinion on who they want to vote for? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to read a couple of things that um, some redstate.com editors did, because they were pretty much on the side of the, uh, Bernie Sanders supporters. I don't know how that happened. But um, the one of the editors, Neil Stevens, said, you deserve to be beaten if you join a movement whose leaders consider or a leader encourages the beating of protesters like in the good old days. <laughs> um, yeah. You know. But that, but that makes, I mean, listen, that makes sense. Violence begets violence. I, that's what they're saying, you know. I mean, um, not, not, not no one deserves to be no one deserves to be beaten, but I understand where they're coming from. Yeah, but he, he didn't say it like you said it, though. You know, he, he said it in kind of, I mean, it was a tweet, but just just reading it, it seemed to be kind of like, a, you know, kind of like poking poking Trump, Trump people in the eyes as opposed to saying, well, this is, you know, you do X, you're going to get gonna get Y. If he'd have been a little more reasonable like you, Russell, I think, I think that wouldn't have ticked so many people off. And see, you know, for some of these things, I I give him a slight pass in the sense that he has learned along the way. And so if he had, I'm sorry, Trump it is, if he had gone through, say, five election cycles and had, you know, had made these statements for several years, maybe, okay, that's the problem. I feel like he's learned the last stop that type of rhetoric. So, 
again, going and poking him and his people in the eye over it is ridiculous. And plus, what did the woman, did the woman really deserve the, you know, the egg pelting? Um, another one, he said, I warned you he was a Nazi. You don't, you didn't listen. Now mm. you're fighting like uh, Weimar Germany. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, the street fighting, and a lot of it was well, organized. Yeah, but I, I think I think he, I think that's a bit of a reach. Uh, that last statement that he made. Um, yeah, we we won't. He, for one thing, he's not a Nazi. I I think he's a. I, actually, I think he's a very intelligent man, and he's manipulated the media in a way that no politician has ever done, and that's why. Uh, I, I hate the word establishment, but that's why the establishment is so upset. Um, they've paid, for instance, like Jed Bush, you mentioned, who I think would have been a great candidate. Uh, Jeb Bush, for instance, um, spent what ninety million dollars uh, and get and got absolutely nowhere. Uh, and the super PAC money alone was around one twenty, which was more than the super PAC money that Hillary received uh, like mm-hmm. a couple months ago. Right. Yes. He was. He was. He was. A, he was ahead of every. He was. At, he was ahead of everybody. But um, yeah, I don't think we will ever be Nazi Germany. I don't think we will ever, as a country, I don't think we're set up. I think we're set up in a way to protect people from that. Uh, I think that's a bit far. But I don't. I also feel like violence begets violence. If you are backing a guy who says, um, you know, let's beat people like we did in the good old days, and when people say good old days as a black man, that worries me uh, personally. Uh, yeah. Even though I'm hey, conservative, that, that troubles me. Giovanni, do you mind if I ask a Russell question real quick? Sure. Go ahead. Russell, uh, do, you, do you think that that on balance, do you think that racial relations are becoming stabilized or more unstable, better or worse uh, since the beginning of this election? Oh, I think, no, I think that, I think they got worse when Obama was elected. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that they got, I don't think they're getting any worse now. I just think that people are seeing it, uh, mm-hmm. seeing it a lot more. Imagine, uh, before Trayvon Martin, let's, I'm just giving you an example. Before Trayvon Martin, black boys were being shot, but they were never riots and there were never protests. They were never, you know, Al Sharpton. You know what I mean? We just didn't really have that as regularly. Since yeah. Trayvon Martin, since all of those situations happened, now we have uh, – It's all of these situations are being brought to the fore. It's like every week or every couple of weeks mm-hmm. we start to hear of – someone, you know, a Freddie Gray or, you know, a Ferguson, you know, every other week, it seems like that's what we're hearing. Uh, I don't think it's, it's gotten any worse since this election cycle. I just think people are more vocal about it. Um, r- racism in America, this country was built on racism, as we all know. I was built on uh, ra- racial disparities, I guess you would want to call it. Uh, it's not going to go anywhere. And that's unfortunate. It's unfortunate, but it's the truth. Uh, we could decide that we're going to uh, – how do I want to put this? We can decide that we want to move forward in, in an in a open and respectful manner, or we can decide we want to keep fighting an old fight. Yeah. I'm not saying we forget about it. I'm not saying, uh, you know, no one ever tells a Jewish person to forget the Holocaust, you know, yeah. but they always tell a black person to get over it. You know, get over it. It's it's slavery. Get over it. You didn't know those people. You weren't there. You never experienced this. You know, as a conservative, and knowing that it was conservatives, it was Republicans 
that were actually fighting for civil rights long before uh, Democrats realized they can get a vote for it. Um, we, I just think that it's unfair that we've gotten, as a party, the, the rap of the party that doesn't care about black people and the party that doesn't care about poor people. Well, and yeah. I don't think either party cares about black people or poor people or white, poor white people. I, I just think that the, the politics is based on money. Mm-hmm. And it's whoever has the most money is going to have the most influence. And whoever has the most influence has the most power. And, and when people the learn that... Race is a money-making industry as, as well. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, just like global warming. Yeah. It's all about money. You know, it's all, it's all, it's all money, you know. But, hey, that's, that's my opinion. <laughs> no, I, that's how I, I, de- I feel about it. I, I, definitely, I definitely agree with a lot of that. Uh, I, you know, the thing that's, the thing that's uh, disappointed me about Trump so far, one thing that's disappointed me about Trump so far is that I, I, I thought, and, you know, the race isn't over yet. He's, he's got a little bit of time. But, you know, I thought that if Trump wanted to, he actually could have been, instead of being exactly the opposite, he actually could have been a Republican candidate who uh, was able potentially to get out from under all of the race, racial stigma and, the, you know, the stigma of prejudice and racism and so forth that typically attaches itself to the Republican bland in general and to whoever the presidential nominee typically is. I mean, you know, whether it's deserved or not, and I think it's usually not deserved, but even so, the Republican candidate standard there is pretty much always identified as if not being, you know, a lot of people will think that person must be racist, and if not, they'll think he's in league with racists one way or another. But Trump, you know, has had such a long resume and has got such a long list of of relationships with, you know, high profile, not just black celebrities, but people of all races and so forth, who really like the guy. I mean, before the election came about, Russell Simmons loved Donald Trump, you know? In hip hop culture. I mean, he's been named by many a rapper, R and B singer, um, Lil Kim his his I shouldn't much about wanting uh I mean she kind of <laughs> joked about having a, a, a hotel deal with him. I mean that was are, 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 are you kidding? Trump is Trump is like basically like what you know, what what P Diddy would like to be when he grows up, you know? I mean yeah. that's Trump and, and and Trump has been an established figure in you know, on on a peripheral sense. He's not an artist or a producer, but you know he's he's been a, an established you know uh, sort of uh, icon icon or archetype type figure in hip hop culture. Yeah, for for a long 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 time, and and Trump has relished that. By the way, he's not unaware of it. He's aware right. aware of it, and he digs it. He likes it, and he courts those kind of relationships. And you know, I, the, the, I mean, you know, it was he already came out behind the eight ball with the bursar thing. But Trump, Trump sort of made a choice. Uh, he he could have tried to have won the nomination in a way to where, you know, maybe he wouldn't have maxed out uh, your you know your working class white vote turnout in the way that I think he's going to. But he could have presented himself as a much more palatable. He could he could have transcended. The party, the party. Label I, think he, I, John, I, think, I think he made John, it. I think he will. In the sense, well, no, no, no. I think he, I think he will. I still, I still believe he will, because he is a very smart man. And this is what people are taking, taking. I mean, he, he, he's not a politician that's been coached 
and coached and coached on what to say, the right look to make, how to, you know, pinch your fingers together, what Bill Clinton did. You know, he he, he has not been coached in that way. Um, But I think over time uh, he will. He's a he's a person that I think is extremely sensible, in 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 uh, in regards to uh, his strengths and weaknesses as a businessman, as a human being. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. think that he is. I don't think that he, I don't think that it's over yet. Uh, I think he's embraced that anger. I think he's embraced those racist folk. You know, I think he's embraced that. But I don't think that uh, it's over in terms of how he can use his influence and knowledge and relationships to bring people together uh, racially. Well, you know, yeah, no, no, it does. And, uh, you know, I've got, I live in, I live in uh, South, South central LA or, you know, South LA is, is is political uh, correctly called now. And I've got, I've got several, uh, uh, several, several friends and acquaintances of mine just in the hood out here, uh, you know, young black dudes who, hit me up and they don't tell anybody else this, but they say, Hey, hey would I'm, I'm voting for Trump. You know, Hey man, how can, how can I register as a Republican? Do I got to make that shit public? Do I got to tell people? Or can I do it without anybody knowing, you know? And it's because they're not, they're not necessarily even political. They just, you know, they just, they just know Trump, you know, and to him, to them, he's a figure who is not, they don't associate him with George W. Bush. You know, they, they associate him, I guess, with, with, with hip hop and being a guy and beyond that, just being a guy who, I mean, you know, let's, let's face it. I mean, Trump is thug life all the way. Trump is the gangsterest dude to, to ever like run for president. Period. Like he is. You know, he just he just is. If we're if we're speaking in in the vernacular of of popular culture, you know, and so for some people, like you know, some guys I know who otherwise are pretty much you know disengaged from politics entirely. Are these are people who they they, they probably voted for Obama because Obama was Obama. Obama was our first black president. He was young and hip. But like that kind of that kind of voter can 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 switch to Trump. So that avenue that avenue is there. And I think you're right too that Trump is a better communicator than most politicians because frankly Trump is is, is a salesman. He's not a politician. And mm-hmm. salesmen are salesmen and I've you know I've worked in sales my whole life and I've worked in politics for years. Salespeople are better communicators than politicians. You know why? Because politicians try to win arguments, but salespeople uh try to close deals. And the difference is that in closing a deal or making a sale, you have to make a person feel a certain way. And if you can make a person feel a certain way, that person's gonna buy. You can win an argument with somebody and then then still not buy your product. Like they, they can understand logically right. why the product is good, but that doesn't mean you're gonna go. You're gonna feel comfortable going into your wallet and and coming out with that credit card. It's gonna be like, oh, you know what? Uh, you sound it sounds right what you're saying, but I still gotta go home talk to the wife, talk to my mom, talk to my my accountant, my lawyer. And by the time the person goes through all that insecurity. Uh, he's not going to buy, but a good salesperson will make the person feel like it was his idea to buy the thing in the first place, you know. And that's what, yeah, that's what Trump is good at. I just, I just, I'm, I just feel that Trump may have gone so far in one direction at this point that even he might have a difficult time steering a ship that big out of the way of the ice. Possibly, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, possibly. Yeah, and I would mention that the difference between. Uh, Trump and Obama. I mean, both of them uh, are are kind of gravitating based on name recognition. But at least we know what Trump's record is. I mean, he is the example of capitalism. We all know that capitalism is what gets people out of poverty. 
Um, mm-hmm. For people know that, they already understand it, whether it's, uh, you know, drug sales, et cetera. They get it. And, again, Donald Trump is a successful person. Everyone knows that, and they feel that at least that those are principles that he might be able to use um, in office. Whether or not they're going to publicly admit voting for him, I do believe that um, that he has very good chances just based on that alone. Mm-hmm. Um, his record versus Hillary's record, no one is able to mention well, what he has done. Yeah, well, as a as a lifetime Republican, I mean, I've ever since I learned about Richard Nixon when I was, you know, fourteen or fifteen years old, I wanted to be a Republican. Mm-hmm. So um, I have to say that uh, I could not, in good conscience, vote for Trump, and not mm-hmm. because not because I don't think he will be a good president. That's not what it is. It's something about the brashness of him that I don't think is even. Okay, let's look at a cowboy like Ronnie Reagan. You know what I mean? Cowboy. Mm-hmm. Talk about gangster. Ronnie Reagan was a gangster. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, so let's look at somebody like Ronnie Reagan, who uh, was tough, who said what he thought, but there was some level of elegance or cooth mm-hmm. about him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trump does not have that factor at all. And I think to be a leader, even if you're looking at Obama has that, and a, you know, Obama has a great Obama, presentation. Obama has a great presentation, and you know what? He has horrible policies, but they're not his policies. He's just the he's just the, the puppet, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. So he he doesn't have great policies, and he's just following suit with you know he pushed through Hillary Clinton's health care plan that she tried to do as first lady. Uh, back in the 90s, you know, he actually got it done. Uh, so I think that, I think that, uh, uh, you know, for that reason, I can't, you know, I couldn't see myself ever supporting him in that way. I think that not because I don't, again, not because I don't think he'll be a good president. You, you just it's don't want him to be the face of America. I don't want that to be the face of America. And, and people have a bad taste in their mouth about him because of everything about him. You know, they laughed at Ronald Reagan too, remember? They laughed at him for being a cowboy, you know, television actor. You know, they mm-hmm. laughed at Ronald Reagan. And then when he came out, you know, at that first election and, uh, you know, that he lost in the primary and made a big splash, they paid attention, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I think that, People will maybe Trump can turn it around. Maybe Trump can, you know, do something or say something to make uh, the make people feel like he's not just a loose cannon. Because right now I feel like he's a loose cannon. And even when he was in the room with the press the other day, and they said, "Well, is this how you're going to be as president with the press corps?" He said, "Yes, <laughs> absolutely. This is exactly how I'm going to be." You know, there's something about that that I that I can't see yeah. us having as a leader. Of our country, and, uh, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not voting for a linguist. You know, we already have that, and you know, again, as you said, he was used as a puppet to push far, a far left agenda uh, that no one else could using racial politics. But I'm also not going to, and I was a supporter of Trump from day one, by the way. But <laughs> I, I don't see the, the rearranging of chairs on the Titanic. Um, as far as how I see the never Trump people in trying to push a third party candidate. And, and, and even I said, well, maybe there could be a possibility, but then to lead this movement with uh, Romney and Glenn Beck, 
you know, two of our biggest losers. Um, that's just not, that's yeah. not going to happen. We do, you know, Romney, we're tired of you. You are the problem. You are why we're here now. Someone else could have made this I point. I absolutely agree. Someone else could have made this point, but damn it, not you and Glenn. All right. right. I'm a defend Mitt a little bit. I think I think that Obama was was a much stronger candidate than Republicans realized in 2012. I mean, high unemployment or not, you know, Obama. People will come out and vote for Obama who will never vote again in their lives. You know, no other president, very very few other presidents have that kind of advantage going into it. Ironically, we discussed this on um, uh, Breitbart uh, Radio yesterday with uh, Sonny Johnson, and she was saying that. Um, you know, the unemployment was extremely high or just black pol- politics, period, when Obama was up for re-election. And it's like, well, when people would say, how could you vote for this man after, you know, black unemployment's gone up, et cetera? And to people who have not had a job, period, or who have just not done well for longest, the numbers don't make a difference. And we know that the numbers are skewed. Well, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, all, all that's true, but bruh, I mean, you know, first of all, so of, particularly when you talk about black people, a lot of black people don't, yeah, well, I was just going to say, a lot of black people don't blame Obama for the situation that they're just blaming Republicans for everything that's bad anyway, and even if they do, it's like, you know, a lot of people, you know, supported OJ, even though they thought he was guilty, I mean, if you're going to go that far in terms of, you know, right. in terms of, in terms of you know, just, 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 just getting getting the person's uh, back because they're black. I mean, of course you're gonna you're gonna come out and vote for Obama no matter what, you know. Um, yeah. But um, but let's yeah. But let's be honest. Even as conservatives, we have to be honest and understand that no Obama policy made uh, made uh, the unemployment rate get higher. Let's uh, let's really let's be honest about that. You can't unless you can tell me and give me facts of of a policy that Obama made that made the unemployment rate get higher before 2012 uh i would really love to hear it but well i'm not a fan of his at all at all I'll, I'll, t- I just don't I'll, that. I'll, I'll tell you exactly exactly the truth about that i was going to change the subject but i'm going to leave, I, i'm going to let continue <laughs> no no yeah no just 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 really quick look uh obama in my opinion has been a terrible manager of of the economy. But, but hold on, have you seen but, the oil yeah, companies yeah. in Texas? Like they have all been suffering horribly, um, one by one, and they're all basically blaming this thing as far as. Um, well, as, well yeah. I mean, they're blaming Obama's oil wars. They uh, tend to say, I mean, they've been laying off in, in pretty big numbers just over the last. Um, a couple years. Well, the general point I was going to make is just that, yeah, that that that's that's likely the case. But the the things that made Obama's economy bad were factors that were pre-existing uh, in the economy and the political structure before Obama even got there. Obama just has not done a good job of of trying to reverse course on that because he's going with the same sort of corporate-owned playbook. Uh, that presidents before him have have employed, and it's just resulted in a situation exactly. where, right, where Obama Obama didn't really Republicans a lot of my fellow Republicans will act as if Obama you know created a lot of the problems that were in place. Uh, he he did. Obama is simply uh, Obama simply has done nothing has done nothing to nothing fix to correct those problems. Nothing, yeah, nothing Absolutely. substantial to correct. He's Absolutely redistributed, not right. 
He's redistributed a little bit to try and make a shrinking pie more more fairly divided. But in terms of reversing these problems, no, he's been completely ineffective. Uh, but it's important to keep it in in perspective. You know, uh, he's not he's he wasn't the cause of the problem, but he definitely hasn't been the solution. Well, and you know, and I wanted to say something else. Like a, a few months ago, um, as I said on the other show, I think we had discussed. On what Obama's going to do for the remainder of the year, and it was like, you know, he said he's a he's a lame duck president, you know, but he sh- he should still be doing such and such. And it was like, no, I don't want him to do anything. Just you know, it would be better if you just went and played golf for the remainder of the year. And I and I was heard of that because well, look at the bathroom law situation. You know, that is now topic of discussion. Why? When was this ever a problem? Like it drives me absolutely freaking insane that this is a discussion, a, a this little sidebar distraction issue, for no good reason that the Justice Department had to have gotten themselves involved in. Yeah, I, I don't know. He's administering yeah, out for a lovely afternoon of electroshock. And yeah. I, if he'd done the golf, if he stuck to the golf for the next 12 months, we would have been better off because we would not be discussing that issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote an article about the bathroom thing for a community's digital news. I don't know if you want to open up that kind of kind of worms because I got I got plenty to say on that. But, do, but yeah, well, you know, that relates well, to the next um, topic because I was going to bring up um, uh, the Veterans Administration is interested in having uh, our taxpaying dollars go towards um, gender reassignment okay. <laughs> surgery. Um, and look, this is a thing that I actually, this is the very thing that I hate about liberals and uh, the left. Um, living life as a transgender is a personal choice. Mm-hmm. Um, you will not die if you do not have said surgery. Um, mm-hmm. You are likely not going to experience horrific hardship, hardship <laughs> um, throughout life if you do not receive the surgery. Those are the types of things health-wise that we should be spending money on. Well, I think you're, I think, hold on one second, one second, just, just to, uh, uh, just to, I mean, I'm not someone that particularly understands the whole gender reassignment situation and, and transgender. Uh, I, I, I don't understand it. Too. However, I don't want to however I will, I will say, I will say that um, there is uh, a health situation involved there and I don't know if it's a, one could consider it life-threatening but there is a health issue I mean mental health is something that people we in this country have have ignored for a very long time and um, I don't think that the VA I don't think that the federal government should be paying for anybody's gender reassignment surgeries however I do think that there, there's the that there's no yeah, yeah but, there's a, but mental health is serious I, and I think for a long time people have taken it lightly uh, and it's um, and the cause and effects of mental health lightly. And I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, someone believing or feeling uh, that they're one gender, they're, they're, they're the gender opposite than which they were born is a serious issue that could cause serious mental health problems. Except that I I don't think the advocates of that are saying that it is mental health. That would probably be, I'm not criticizing you. No, 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 no. That that would probably be offensive to a person who thinks, yeah. Yeah, no, no, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that that a man thinking that he's a woman and was just born with the wrong genitalia uh, has a mental health problem. 
I think that ignoring it or trying to stifle it and not living in whatever truth they believe to be yeah. theirs might cause, cause mental, health. mental health issues. Could cause, could cause mental health issues. That's that's my belief. I don't think I don't want to get into the therapy portion of this. But. <laughs> no, 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 but I no, no, but I think that that's very important. I think when you start to say there's no health uh, ramifications. Uh, that's not I mean, I, I said that to say that, I mean, you will not, you will not die. Like as far as, I, you know, the comparison between Obama, uh, you know, when they were calling him a socialist, and then you have Bernie who's saying that he's, uh, you know, like a hybrid socialist. Obama's actually more so, that was more of a truer statement as far as taking like a sector of, of the economy and, and uh, having government control. And I feel like this is a, uh, this is a portion of that. Um, I just do not support taking my tax dollars and helping with that. There could be a problem. There could be a, 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 a mental issue or something to address, whatever the case is. But just the act of, and that can be disputed until uh, doomsday, but the act of using taxpayers' dollars for it, I just simply don't, I don't understand. I, and I, I, there are all yeah, there are also it's, yeah, I was just gonna say there are all sorts of there are all sorts of things that the government uses uses our money for, which it probably probably shouldn't. I mean, you know, my wife is a soldier, and you know, when you're in the VA system, I think that there's certain allotments that are made for like cosmetic type, you know, procedures and whatnot, um, depending on I guess the state of your benefits and so forth. Maybe you could justify it on that, that just cosmetically, like you know. But my my broader problem with this. Yeah, look, I mean, it's not necessarily something I'm excited about. It's probably there are a whole lot of other things that we're wasting money on. So, fiscally speaking, it's yes. probably not the biggest deal. But my the, the bigger right. problem to me is just the fact that to me there's a little bit of an arrogant supposition on the on the part of of advocates of you know transgender uh, transgender uh, bathroom access to the bathroom of their choice, uh, regardless of their, their, their biological sex. And, you know, I kind of felt similar about, you know, gay marriage as, as well. I, I don't know either of you gentlemen's uh, point of view on that, but see, the thing is that there's a, I, now I'm in favor of equal rights for everybody, right? Equal, equal rights, equal rights under the law and equal rights under the law should lead to equitable treatment, for everyone, right? But what right. I don't support is a social agenda that basically says that even though the vast majority of people in the society, in society have a personal view or definition of something in one particular way, and even though all of human history until five minutes ago looked at it that certain way, that that social or cultural definition should be changed in order to force the law to comply with the social agenda of a relative minority of the people, or in this case, an extremely small minority of the people who feel that, you know, you can be a woman with a penis or a man with a vagina, right? And so, you know, and I think, and what I wrote about in my article on Communities Digital News uh, was the fact that the intellectual ammunition for basically allowing transgenders to go to the bathroom of their choice comes from linking it to the civil rights movement, right? Saying, well, segregation, because it is technically segregation. I mean, you know, men, you have to go to the men's bathroom, women go to the women's. That is, you know, on its face, 
segregation. I wouldn't say it's negative, but you know, the meaning of the word segregation is simply to separate according to one criteria or another. But the difference is that you know, if you go back to the era of sep- you know, so-called separate but equal and whites bathrooms and colored only bathrooms and so forth, the Supreme Court ruled that separate but equal you know, what applied to race was inherently unequal. And if you look at just to take the bathroom uh, issue by itself, uh, you know, it wasn't as if like, you know, colored, you know, uh, black people and white people uh, were going to separate but equally usable bathrooms. I mean, every time you see a picture from that era, the white bathroom is looking clean and pretty and the colored only bathroom is looking like something, uh, basically looking like a shit's die, you know? Uh, and, and it was like that across the board, so that it wasn't simply a matter of separation, but it was a matter of the fact people who were set in one set of facilities were being degraded by the dismal quality of those facilities. That was impression, uh, oppression. That was making a materially negative impact on the lives of African-American people in this country. Now, immigration was a beautiful thing, but the thing that made it a, a, a crisis of human rights was the fact that our schools weren't just separate, but they were underfunded. It was the fact that, you know, our, our, uh, our police our police forces weren't just weren't just segregated, but we had cops, and maybe we still have this problem, beating the crap out of us in ways that wasn't happening uh, on the white side of town. I mean, all sorts of examples you can list. With the transgender thing, you know, the male, the men's bathroom is good, the women's bathroom is good. Women's bathroom is probably better just because men are gross when they go to the bathroom; they don't clean up enough for themselves as much. But you get the point. I mean, it's it's not as if on a material level anything anybody is being harmed by the way things are with this type of male-female, you know, biological separation. And so what it is they're fighting for is not really equal treatment. It's actually, I would, I would suggest, more of a special privilege as opposed to equality. Uh, because what they're saying is that 99.7% of the population sees a man with penis as necessary, you know, having a penis is necessary to being a man, having a vagina is necessary to being a woman. 0.3% of the population, you know, thinks otherwise. Uh, and uh, we should change, therefore, the definition of male and female in the law to accommodate this extremely small minority, um, as opposed to you know leaving leaving it in place because it's been the overwhelming cultural consensus for so long. It's got nothing to do with the quality of anybody anybody's life in terms of the usability of certain facilities, but it has everything to do with a social agenda. And you know, I just I'm just opposed to doing that. Uh, you, you guys probably heard Obama was threatening to pull out educate, uh, money from public school uh, systems, public school districts across America, uh, pulling out federal funds if they don't comply with this with this bathroom. Remember, I told you. But look, I told you yeah, if he right. went to if he went golfing for the rest of the year, we'd be better off. We wouldn't be having this discussion. I told you that this is a an election year distraction issue. I mean. And the only people who are benefiting from this are LGBT lobbyists and um, those policy groups. Like this is just um, a point on their legislative agenda to say, "Hey, I was able to get this law passed, and so now you know they'll get, say, a million, a couple million or so, like glad in um, donations, so that they can exist another year." There's no other reason for it. Yeah, we have not. People, transgenders did not just appear in 2016. We didn't just learn how to do this surgery. And it's like, oh, my God, how do we figure out where they go to the bathroom? No, it's never been a problem. No, well, no, I, I, I don't think so. I, <laughs> yeah, I, 
I ain't heard anything. And you know what? If 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 it's in like West Hollywood or like a community that's like way more, you know, way more socially progressive or liberal, uh, you know, if on a local level, you know, people in the community want to make that decision, I say, you know, that's fine. I mean, this is America. You know, I believe that different cities and different states should be able to set their own policies because they're going to be better reflect the actual values of the people society. But as long as nobody's being materially damaged, uh, you know, I, I just think it's I just think it's wrong to try and impose that on the federal level, you know, uh, when so few people are, are feeling that. And so that's, yeah, that's, that's where Obama loses me. And it seems like he focuses more and more on these kind of things and less and less on a lot of things, on a lot of the things that, that matter materially. More pressing issue. Yeah. And well, if, yeah. if you are able to divide the population, I mean, again, you have another group to pander to. So I mm-hmm. saw this coming when the bathroom laws were started. I said, okay, we have created another class, of, you know, an, another protected class, and it's going to go further. And so the next step first is the bathrooms, and then the next thing is the now being able to have the surgery and not pay for it or have a discount or whatever is now <laughs> – a right. I mean, what we consider rights in America has completely gone out of control. I mean, and there are certain things I can kind of negotiate on or, you know, or have a reason with. This, no. And, and for the, the VA, I mean, these are people who, you know, many are largely, um, you know, pretty seasoned in life. So, I mean, to get to that point and you can't pay for this yourself, it's it's still it's still a stupid argument. It's one I don't even really want to dignify. And I so hope that this is not um, that this is not something that carries over into 2016. I hope we get a, a Republican president just for that reason, just so that we're well, yeah, not. Well, it will still, it will still carry on in 2017. What'd you say? It, it will still it will still carry on in 2017 uh, because uh, now the door has been opened. You know. That's what he's doing with, with a lot of these executive orders, a lot of these things that he's doing. Right. He's not trying to fix the problem. He's trying to start the, uh, I guess, start the conversation or open the door to the fight. And like I said, you know, these uh, policy groups and all, it's, you know, 100 people in a room, et cetera, they come up with these ideas. That's how D.C. works. They create the idea, you know, take the white paper, send it out, go spend time on the Hill, and, and it's all of this money that went into creating this. Like if you think of the salaries that these people made who came up with this problem, and again, as I said, in the end, they're just making money out of it, and we're the pawns for sitting and entertaining this foolishness. Like this this is just, again, what I hate about uh, the Democrat Party. Well, you know, it's it's ironic because this is this is the type of thing that makes people so enthusiastic uh, about supporting Trump, even though Trump actually seems to support the liberal position on this on this particular issue. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seems like the governing elite in our society is increasingly focused on things that are not of tremendous concern uh, to you know to the broad spectrum of the population. Um, but you know, just what is the country? Uh, I think poll wise, feeling that it's going in the wrong direction. Oh, yeah, that's been, that's been the case for a long time. Both parties are going against, or both liberal candidates are railing against the economy. Both are saying that Obama didn't have a good economy. They're both saying that the middle class is um, is disappearing. So this is a way of this administration creating a distraction. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I'm sure, but, uh, I'm, sure, well, I'm, sure well, I'm sure the president it, probably believes it. But, it's, but, but, yeah. it's the economy, stupid, and that's what you should be uh, sticking to and not giving out free reassignment surgery. I mean, I, even I couldn't have – I mean, I saw this coming, but I would have never thought that we would have been here this quickly last year. Yeah, you know, I, I I like to think I'm pretty good at seeing things coming, but this took me it took me by surprise. I mean, I remember they were talking in California about putting this issue, you know, in schools about uh, reforming the bathroom policies. They're talking about putting it on the ballot. This was just two or three years ago, and I remember at the time I thought that even in California that's not going to pass. Now, <laughs> now it's damn near. Uh, most people, the vast majority of people, I think, still disagree with it according, according to all polls, but. But the activist contingency is so strong behind it, and obviously they're being supported by the president and the Justice Department. Uh, so it's basically been been mainstreamed. And so just to, just to tie it back to to Trump again, real quick, because uh, you know I not to not to try and play the moderate, but I kind of sympathize with both of your uh, perspectives on Trump. On the one hand, I think that uh, we need dramatic change, and so I'm kind of I was kind of with you, Giovanni, uh, on on that point. On the other hand. I uh, kind of with Russell that you know I feel as if the office of the president of the United States is one that needs to be conducted and held with a certain certain level of dignity, and I feel like Trump just just totally strikes out, just willfully strikes out on that uh, on on that tip. So, I mean, I I've been going back and forth in my head about it a little bit. Uh, ultimately, though, if I you know there's a version of Trump I could vote for. It's 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 the Trump that. That that I feel is you know because I don't I don't I really don't think he's he's a racist I I've never thought that I feel that he I don't think so either I yeah I feel that he's opportunistic I do not think that he's I do not think that he's honest I mean I, he may not be any more dis may, he's, I'm not saying he's I don't think he's more dishonest than Hillary Clinton I'm not sure anybody could be too much uh, too much too much more so um, Trump is a guy I like to call Donald Trump honestly dishonest like you know he'll lie to you. But you know that he knows that you know that he's lying to you, and really he's just kind of like right. that song, like 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 that Rihanna, that, that Rihanna Eminem song, like I love the way you lie, you know. Like Trump basically, you know, will tell you a lie, but he'll tell it to you in a way where it's like, I like the way he lies to me. I'm gonna vote for that guy. I think that Trump is literally trying to push that, uh, you know, pushing that strategy out in the open because his contradictions are so blatant. But the part of Trump that I like is the fact that he really is an independent individual. He's not a he's not anybody's puppet. He's his own he's his own man. I really like that about Trump, and I like the side of Trump that really does get along with people of of all different races. I mean, I would have liked to have seen Trump really go out of his way to establish uh, a multi uh, multiracial multicultural coalition on the right. I think that I think that um, any take the take the spectrum labels out of it, just multicultural coalition in general that's pushing back against some of the more airheaded concepts that you hear coming, you know, coming from the status quo and sort of the status quo on the left. Uh, I feel like Trump could have, could have done that. Um, and maybe, maybe Russell's right. Maybe there is still time, but you know, uh, but if his presidency is going to be one where whether he believes in it or not, if he's going to insist on pushing, uh, pushing an agenda that's culturally and racially, uh, Polarizing and so forth. I mean, you know, I, I can't get with the the, the man well, deportation. I don't thing, think that. Like, I don't know, think that that would be hard for me to vote for. Um, 
you know, I think if it, if it were actually possible, um, which I don't what, know. What, what would be hard? I, hold on. Sorry, I don't know whether it's possible or not, but I would I, I would support it possibly a, a more watered-down version. But I'm not I'm not going to get into that because that's the, the, you know, my hard right side coming out. <laughs> Giovanni, um, like, get on out of here. <laughs> he doesn't have to try that Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What what do you what do you what do you mean if it if you you can't vote for him? I'm sorry. Are you what? talking me or Giovanni? Oh, so I think it was the mass I think mass deportation. I thought oh yeah, well, yeah. What I'm saying is you know, what I'm saying is that I you know I there's a version of Trump I could vote for. It's the version of Trump that I think is inclusive that really has an appeal across the board that can build together build build up a. Uh, a, a positive coalition of people of all colors and walks and so forth, just because in his life and in his career, uh, you see evidence of that. I mean, he's not a guy, you know, right. he, he's a guy who takes different positions. He gets along with everybody. On the one hand, you might say, well, that means he doesn't stand for anything. But on the other hand, it means that, you know, he gets along with people of all backgrounds and personalities. And I think we do need that. In a, in a president, a president of a very diverse country, both culturally, racially, and and philosophically, you know. Uh, so if if Trump, you know, if if Trump were were really presenting presenting himself in that way, because I think he could do it. I mean, I see the evidence of it in his career. Uh, then I could then I could uh, confidently back him. But if if it seems to me where I have trouble getting myself to be able to vote for him is if he continues down the line, which he's mostly been going on, which is basically just, just polarizing the electorate to the point where he's trying to try and get as many white votes as possible and then pick off just enough votes, you know, in, you know, from other races and other demographic groups to be able to get to 51% or whatever, but he's polarized the country irrevocably in the process. If it seems like that's what he's going to do, and that's more the way he's leading right now, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to vote for that. I don't. Again, I don't think he's a racist, but I think that the effect he's having culturally on the country is 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 negative to to a certain extent, to a certain large extent. And at the end of the day, the best thing he has going for, for him right now is Hillary Clinton, because every time I say right. I'm not going to vote for Trump, I look over at Hillary and I look at all the problems that we have in our country right now, just in terms of the economy, the ownership of our political system by the corporations. Um, and, uh, and, and all of these things, uh, which make me think that this, this economy is going to collapse and that we're all going to be sitting around talking about, you know, transgender bathroom rights. while you know, when, when the next depression hits, you know, that's what I think is going to happen if we go the Hillary route. And so every time I say I'm not going to vote for Donald, I look at that and I have to give Donald another look, but it's, it's, it is kind of a lesser of two evils for me, even though I like Donald personally, you know, I feel like if he was here on the phone right now, he'd be a gas to talk to, but you know, right. uh, but it's tough. It's tough. It's, it's, it's a tough call between voting for Donald or just sitting it out because there's certain things that are hard for me to swallow. But, but, but my, my, my question or why I jumped in. Yeah. My question or why I jumped in was about mass deportation because Obama has deported more people than anybody. You know, that's not in, really true uh, in American history. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm just going to stop you. I'm, I'm going to stop you right there because it's another, uh, and, and, I, and I used to think that that was true too, but it's another example of the way they manipulate this because what they did was, and if you think about it, it wouldn't really make any sense given the fact that Obama owes a pretty fair amount 
to you know to two lobbies that are supportive of expanding rights for undocumented or illegal immigrants into the Latino community in general. Okay. It wouldn't make much sense that he pushed that. And if you look at if you look at the statistics, what happened is is if they redefined the definition of deportation. It used to be that a deportation uh, was when somebody crossed the border, was discovered by ICE or whatever and was then sent back across the border to wherever he came from. That that used to be the definition of deportation. Now they right. expanded the definition of right. right, exactly. Right. And it's like the so, board. Right. Like exactly. exactly. But I'm now sorry, I, did, I don't I don't hear what you, I didn't hear that. What what was it? The, the what, definition of uh, deportation has changed in the sense that it used to be that you were across the border and discovered um but you, now it's more so along the lines of giving someone a slip of paper and saying well, that you were deported. Well, no, 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 not even that. I mean, that, that may be the case too, but what they've, at, at, at the very least, what they've done is in, in, instead of defining it merely as kicking someone out, uh, they've expanded it to where they, if they catch you at the border before you cross and turn you back at that point, that qualifies as a deportation. See what I mean? So oh, see, I, I didn't know. I didn't know that. Exactly. And so, you know, we've been stopping in addition to deporting people, we've been stopping people at the border and turning them away for a long time. But those were never counted as deportations. Now they are. And so it artificially on the surface inflates the number of supposed deportations the Obama administration has been carrying out. And it's funny because I, I used to give Obama some credit for that. I used to be like, well, you know, uh, maybe he's doing this, that, and the third wrong. But but even though he hasn't completely secured the border, at least he's at least he's enforcing you know enforcing the law more than people give him credit for. And I was so disappointed when I when I actually looked into it. I realized, man, even the thing that you know, even one of the things I was trying to give Obama credit for and defend him for, like turned out to just be a statistical lie, just like the unemployment numbers and so many other things. You know, I mean, and that, and that, but that's something that came from actual actual liberal groups, though. And this is why I'm surprised by by what you're saying, uh, because that actually well, comes from a lot of liberal groups. Well, yeah, no, that are, well, well, you, well, you're right. The, the, in, in Miami, where where I'm originally from. You know the Cubans call him, you know, deporter in chief. You know, right. yeah. Um, yeah, they, no, he's been really criticized. That... You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. He's been criticized by liberal uh, groups who are who are also swayed by the numbers. But I think that on balance, I think that if I'm and I am a politician, you know, aspiring, you know, I ran for office, you know, party chair and all that, and so I, I have a pretty good window in terms of how they calculate cost-benefit ratios in terms of putting out a certain perception. And I think that President Obama was always going to go in the direction uh, of expanding rights for undocumented immigrants. But in order to, in order to accomplish that, he had to show himself as being a little bit hardline in one area to try and pull moderates over. So when he's asking for, you know, pathway to citizenship, birthright citizenship and all that, uh, he's got to at least be able to come back to a few moderate Republicans and independents and say, hey, it's not that I don't care about border security. You know, look at all these people we've deported. But, you know, so I think that that's the trade-off is they're willing to anger a couple of liberals to make them happy in the long run by tricking a few moderates in the process. And that's that's what I see reflected in the strategy of that statistical manipulation. Well, notice that we haven't heard Trump mention this deportation of 11 million since then. I mean, it's the equivalent of uh, Sanders and his free college for all. Trump's not going to do it. Yeah, uh, Trump, right, right. 
Yeah, this is one of the things that, you know, we tend to oversell during the primary to, mm-hmm. you know, to show who's the, who's the bigger conservative. And so now that he's declared one, yeah. he has toned it down. You get to see more of what he might actually be yeah. doing or selling to the whole country. But, yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't said it since then. I mean, I, I still – I don't know if I support deporting a whole 11, a whole 11 million. I mean, but uh, – I mean, we – him, him turn on policies before. So, I mean, I don't think that we should be, you know, going nuts over that number. But at the same time, um, I mean, it's still a problem. It It is very much a problem, and um, I want to see it fixed. The only yeah. thing, the only policy that I think Donald Trump is really committed to, the only one that I really believe in what he says he wants to do, is build is building the wall. I don't think he's going to deport any, deport uh, many more people than are being deported now, but I think he's serious about building the wall. And the reason I say that is because Donald Trump lives to build. Like he loves seeing his name on big, huge, big, huge skyscrapers. <laughs> right. and, no, no, seriously. And I think that he just looks yeah, at being true. president yeah. as an opportunity. Yeah, to take his legacy in building and construction to to the ultimate level, you know, with the wall of Trump. Because uh, I mean, if you look at it, practically speaking, like, you know, I'm not I'm actually not opposed to a wall. I'm opposed to mass deportation, but I do think illegal immigration is a problem. I just don't want to be inhumane about it. But, you know, I do want to secure the border, so I'm not opposed to a wall, but you don't need it. There are all sorts of other ways that you could probably go about uh, ensuring that you don't have people flooding over, and most of them don't come over, don't come directly over the border anyway. Most of them overstay their visas. They come in planes, or they'll tu- or they tunnel underground. So you know, it's not even the most practical solution by itself. Well, but I do know we all know about uh, political payoffs, et cetera. And uh, just as a sidebar, like something I discussed yesterday was um, in D.C. They were building a uh, they're building a fine art school. It's supposed to be like seventy eight million, and they came and it's like, oops, it's one hundred and seventy eight. And I was like, you know, you could like, you know, there's always some shaving off the top and ceiling, but can we be reasonable about it? <laughs> um, so I mean, I said that because as far as him building this wall, he is a real estate developer, is he not? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm pretty sure he's going to build that damn wall, and I'm certain he will yeah. have something to do with how those contracts are, are dillied out so that it, it gets done. Oh, oh I mean, yeah, well, yeah. Think about that for business, because I'm a capitalist, so looking at him as a businessman, what better <laughs> what better <laughs> thing to have under your name, even when you're out of office, than to say, I, Donald Trump was president, when we built this, you know, insert number of miles <laughs> wall yep. at the border. So, I mean, that is Epic, you know. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, all right. So, um, hey, so we actually got through about um twenty some percent of the topics for the day, but I it's fine. <laughs> I'm not gonna hold you all hostage right the rest of the afternoon. It's like we have to get through this. <laughs> hey, it's, it's a lot, a lot of, a lot of fun though, man. It just, uh, just let you know that also. All sorts of juicy stuff to talk about. You can't say this. Uh, you can't say that 2016 has been boring. I mean, there there may not be a 2017, but 2016 was definitely <laughs> was definitely entertaining. Yeah, I don't know. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. yeah. Shoot. So, um, all right, and of course, I don't have my notes in front of me, but I wanted to thank the guests for coming on today. Thank you, um, John. 
Yeah, likewise. Thank you. Uh, thank you too, Russell. Pleasure. Yeah, same here. Thank you guys for for chit for chatting and uh, and it was it was a pleasure. Of course, and this show is brought to you by VM3 Media, our parent company, um, your source for all of your communications and media consulting needs. Um, we're on every Sunday live at 3 o'clock. And until then, um, tune in to popglitch.com for the latest in celebrity news. Thanks, guys.